Nobody plays on Sunday? It used to be like that. Huh. But why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. Wait. But like normally tomorrow, they would not have any matches. Sorry, my tennis IQ is not very high <laughs> to know that, but okay. Um, I'll have to know more info on why, why they don't do that. Welcome back to the Love Means Nothing podcast. Uh, we kind of scarfed down the episodes a little bit there. We didn't have a Wimbledon preview. We just recorded a podcast after the Wimbledon, I think it was the round of 16. But we've gone through the quarterfinals of it, and I feel like just the quarterfinals and the men's and the women's, they felt like one tournament. There's just so much to digest from what we've seen. Over the past, I guess, two days. A lot to digest on the court, off the court with the Nick Kyrgios assault allegations. So I think a lot that we're going to have to touch on, even though it's the day, even though we put a pod out yesterday, I think it's, I think it just makes sense to recap these really awesome matches we saw on the men's and women's side. Yeah, I think we, we got to really strap into our seatbelts here because I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Every, every tournament, uh, Grand Slam or not Grand Slam, I feel like you can, always, you can always point out to something where, oh, this could be better. Or I was hoping for this matchup to happen. Maybe it didn't materialize. Um, or there's, we're just seeing the same matchups over and over again, kind of only the big three or only this player. But the, on both sides, let's start with the men's, okay? Rafa Novak, pillars of the sport, the GOAT conversation still in this, in this tournament. Both beat the next-gen players. Beat Fritz, I guess, is the next-gen. Um, Sinner, I would call him the next next-gen that come back from Novak. They're going for um, a Wimbledon title. Novak's 43rd semi, Grand Slam. Nadal's 38th semi. So combined by them, that's eight years' worth of Grand Slam semifinals. Then you have the Cinderella story for, with, as Cam Nori, home favorite, which I think will probably end to Djokovic, but an incredible run by him. And then Nick Kyrgios finally using his talent like we thought it was in a rematch with Rafa, their 1-1 at Wimbledon. On the women's side, Halep, former champion with a new coach, Ons, who's representing, I think, an entire region of the world, Maria, a two-time champion who's never – a two-time mother who's never been past the third round of a Grand Slam. And then Rabakina, who's another young star. So every single one of these players has a story behind them, and every one of these matchups to me is just fascinating. Yeah, I totally agree. Every player in the draw is coming into the semifinals with such a unique – Storyline. Unique storyline, unique background, and it's – I'm going to be excited to watch every men's match. I was, ex- sorry, I was excited to watch every men's match in the quarters and every women's match, and I'm excited to watch both semis. So uh, it's going to be a good, good weekend of tennis, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so should we, let's start with, should we start with the Novak, Novak against center and Novak specifically, that match? Because I want to just take us back to our last pod for a second. We talked about it a little bit. We both didn't think Sinner had a chance. Sinner came out, won the first two sets. 
Novak with just incredible lockdown, vintage Novak performance. Something that I would say his first vintage Novak performance since the whole Australia incident, since the U.S. Open. What were your thoughts on that? My thoughts were that even when Novak was down two sets to love, I, I was I was I watched the first two sets and then I, I wasn't able to watch the third. I walked away, uh, came back, and I was like, I'm either the match is going to be over or I'll be sitting down for the fourth set. And honestly, I had a feeling that he was going to lose. Same. I agree. I, I, I did not think that he was going to mount that comeback as most people don't when you're down two sets to love. But it was, it was just a feeling of the match, the way he kind of started off hot, let Sinner back in. And there was obviously questions about whether Sinner would be able to hold up that level and close him out. And it just turned out that it wasn't, that, it wasn't gonna happen for that next gen star as it hasn't happened again (laughs) hasn't happened for any of them for the last two decades basically because 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 the the two majors that they did win was the novak hitting the line judge in the throat and then also i guess the most the closest to legitimate one was when medvedev beat djokovic in the final but djokovic was having a mental breakdown the, he was having a mental breakdown for the entire U.S. Open. True. <laughs> still got to the final. So that was crazy. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just mind-boggling what's happening. And also, also the Rafa with Fritz having so many opportunities. Nadal's hurt. That was not a physical match. That no. was not a match. But let's, let's, talk, let's, talk about, let's talk about Novak. What else? Uh, I mean, if you could say – a match that was defined by one point, I'm sure you guys all saw it, was in the fifth set, where Sinner was already kind of down and out. Novak had won two sets in a row, and Sinner hits just a perfect serve out wide on the deuce court, runs in for his forehand, hits a great approach shot, probably against most players as a winner, or, you know, a forcing shot at the very least. Joker Nole sprints over there like nothing I've ever seen in my entire life, slides, it's a cross-court winner. And you just saw the look on Sinner's face, Yannick Sinner, that, oh, this is the Joker Nola that they talk about. This is the Joker Nola that's revered. Um, and you kind of saw then and there that um, Joker Nola is back. Joker Nola is back. Joker Nola of 2017, 2018, 2019, in my opinion, is back. And I agree with you. I didn't think he was going to win. Clearly, his pep talk in the mirror had something to do with it. He... He yells in the mirror at himself to believe in himself. So maybe I'm going to start doing that to myself. Joker Nole, great, great ritual, I guess. It also, I felt, reminded me of some of the Nadal comebacks where it's like, I don't see it happening. And then it's just gradually and slowly just salting that wound against a younger player. And the guy just, Sinner just didn't have the experience there. By the time it got to the fifth set, it was over. Yeah, with those kind of comebacks, you're just kind of waiting for it to be over. And then it's just kind of never over. And it's, there's always another point to play. And you're like, oh, I guess there's a few more points left. Yeah. And then you, you keep saying that, you keep saying that. And all of a sudden it's a fourth set. It's a fifth set. But yeah, the, I'll, I'll, the, the shot that he hit that you're talking about, that, that sliding backhand 
on the run, falling down winner cross court. One of the greatest tennis shots I've ever seen. And to link this back, if you didn't listen to our last pod, we had a little segment about tennis going mainstream. I was watching the Sports Center top 10 plays, and I didn't watch the first four. I saw them at six down, and that shot wasn't on there. And there was what was on there was some dude in center field running back and catching a baseball. You're also the guy who doesn't want tennis to go mainstream, though. So you want to keep it. You're you're like a gatekeeper of of you know the the proper tennis fans and everything. And you you said you didn't want to have these you know clowns on ESPN even talking about tennis. They I agree. Even on the top ten plays, they'll sometimes say something's a drop shot and it's like an overhead. So quite <laughs> true. But I agree, it's ridiculous. The inter- they're not they're not paying attention to the greatest the biggest tournament in the world right now, which is unfortunate. They're not paying attention to one of the if not the most prestigious sporting event in the world and it's also on their network like espn and espn2 it's not like it's on tennis channel on nbc or something so you would think that those that footage would be readily available to them but um yeah i I, and so novak looked nervous and i was thinking during the third set i was like if joker nole loses this match and then he can't play the us open and then can't play the australian open it could be curtains for Joker Nole, like just with his confidence, because it's just weird how little things can, like if he didn't win that third set, his confidence would be shattered. And I feel like now it's at an all-time high. I feel like I'm the vibe from Joker Nole I'm getting is just increasing, increasing. He's just rising and rising and rising. Right the now. vibe that I got from him when he was on the floor after that shot was just, <laughs> I mean, energy reverberating out of him. like The airplane, the airplane celebration? The airplane celebration, and then he had got up and had to pump up the crowd. I mean, honestly, shame on the Wimbledon crowd for, yeah. for needing to be pumped up after that shot. So that was that was a little crazy. The, that, yeah. the bathroom talk, you were talking about it a little bit. That was – it was honestly great. You sent me a video of what he said, and it was very, like – Transparent. Huh? You were like cool that you were able to see what because if you don't we'll 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 send the link but there's a video of Novak in Serbian reciting basically what he said to the mirror I think that's what Bid's referring to I sent it to him with subtitles but right and it was it was basically if you haven't seen it it's your classic like you know you can do this um, you know forget what happened it's a new match <laughs> things that people if you play tennis at any level that your coach or your parent has probably told you to do and you just don't do and it's like the hardest thing because you feel it's so dumb but if if i had seen this from joker and ole when i was in the juniors or even if when i was still in college playing tennis i i probably would have started doing it if i lost a set i would have probably started doing it yeah in the, in the press conference after he was talking about it he said look it's not a guarantee that you're gonna win if you do this but i tend to do it it tends to make me feel better about the match so, um, yeah, it's, it's a great, great, great little insight there into, into Novak's kind of in the, trying to pump himself up because he said he didn't feel right either. He said he actually said, I think he thought that he didn't feel like himself. Um, and the airplane celebration, I agree, just reminded me of all those Novak matches where he's either playing like a better or Nadal, the crowds against him. And he has that kind of, you know, cocky smirk confidence on his face that I know I'm better than everyone and it doesn't matter how many people are against me, I'm just straight up better. That was the, by the end of that match, I, th- I think he's returned to that, uh, that mentality and 100% belief in himself. So I think the other thing I'll say is that 
it was good, in my opinion, it was good for him that he was able to get one close match in before potentially playing a finals against Kyrgios or against Nadal. Because at the French Open, I don't think he had a close match before he played Nadal in the quarterfinals and kind of just froze a little bit, didn't really know what to do when he started losing. Yeah, no, you definitely want to have those close matches before before you get into the semis. I think likely, in my opinion, is not going to be a close match against Cam Norrie. So it's good that he had that kind of that struggle against Sinner. Nadal hasn't really had any close matches before before he did today, but he did have some four setters, which and where he wasn't playing his best tennis. So um, he's had a little bit of adversity he's had to come through and. Also now with the injury, but I think I agree. I think it was good that Novak had to had to come through this one, and I think it's good that he likely will have an easier match against Cam Nori unless Cam Nori can do something special before uh, the final, probably on against Kyrgios. So I think should we just talk, touch on Yannick a little bit because that was a good performance from him. Yeah, look, y- Yannick's in. It was a great performance, but... Because we know you're somewhat of a Yannickson detractor. Yeah, I mean, no, that's that's not true. Yannickson, I just, like, his game style is very plain. That's doesn't mean I don't like the guy. Um, he's a very... That's a very... It's honestly, yeah, very sound game. I just... I don't dislike him. I just think that when you're up, you know, two sets to love, and you're trying to close out... Joker Nole, it's th- this tournament did nothing for Yannickson. I'm sorry, you like like we said. <laughs> you serious? We said that he beat Carlos, which was obviously a great win, but he just being up two sets to love against Djokovic, being up against these guys, it doesn't mean anything until you beat them. You know, it's who walks off the court. You think Yannick Sinner's walking off the court saying, "Oh, I'm so happy that that went to five sets, that I took him to five sets." I actually think he probably is not saying that he's so happy that that happened, but I do think that he's taking that and saying, okay, I can build on this. And some of the things that I've been doing, he is a very professional player. Like if you look at him and watch him play, he's not like some of the other younger guys who are, I guess, more of social butterflies. He kind of sticks to himself. He has a plan. He tries to change different things, hire new coaches, change his game style. He, his forehand looked bigger to me this tournament. I think he was using some angles. Um, but I do think he'll go after this and be like, I was up two sets to love on Novak. And Novak said it, that, okay, Yannick came into the match having nothing to lose. But then once he's up two sets to love, obviously he had something to lose. Yeah, ex- exa- exactly. He had something to lose. Yeah. When he had something to lose, he wasn't able to compete at the level needed to close out the match. So what does that mean? Yeah, but I mean, it's okay. So you're saying this is this is like the same as if he lost like three, three, and three, or it's better. I think I, or it's I mean, not that anything different. Uh, sure, obviously it's better if it obviously it's better to not get totally demolished. But I don't think it's I don't think it's like oh Yannick Sin is like the next guy after this. I actually I was I am more impressed with Fritz um, this tournament than Yannick Sin. Wait, who did, who is Fritz beaten? Who did Fritz beat last round? Who did he beat last round? Who has Fritz beaten last round? Who who did um? Hey, beat Kobler. Jason Kobler, like great win, dude. I mean, Fr- Fritz also didn't play well today. 
Like, Yannick Center played well. Fritz played awful. He was missing everything. Yeah, I guess we'll talk about that in a second. But I don't think Fritz stepped up the occasion at all. He looked like a deer in the headlights. Fritz had a 20-3 and final set tiebreak record this in his career and then just absolutely bottled it against Rafa in the fifth set tiebreak. Rafa couldn't walk. He couldn't serve. Rafa's abdomen was killing him. He was having, a, like, an abbreviated motion. And it's, same, it's actually similar to what happened to Yannick, I would say. Fritz was up two sets to one. Yannick was up two sets to love. Yannick obviously saw an opponent that was maybe a little more nervous, or, but he was winning. Fritz saw an opponent that was wounded, similar to what happened to Fritz against Novak in the Australian Open a couple years ago, where Novak had an abdominal injury. Fritz was up. Fritz, like, froze and wasn't able to close it out. So I think I'm, either you're disappointed with both of them or you're, you're impressed by both of them. I don't understand how you say I'm you're – impressed by Fritz. I'm more disappointed in Yannick Sinner. Because, okay. because look, it's, it's so much harder to play a guy. But like, if, if you know Djokovic is at his 100%, you're going to be going for it. Fritz playing against Nadal where he thought he was injured at some point in the match, then Nadal starts playing at 100%, then he's back to, you know, maybe not 100%. It's so much harder to play that kind of match because you're just expecting – you're putting way more pressure on yourself to win to win the match. Because going into the fifth set, Fritz – But he lost, so how could that impress you at all? Like, No, no, I, he lost, but I'm saying it's a harder – it's harder to compete when you're going into the fifth set with that than if you're like, okay, I'm going to go into this set and play and see what happens. Because, because in, in the center match – it was like it was a one set to decide the match. In the Fritz match, it was one set to decide the match. There was probably so much going through his mind with Nadal's injury, and I'm not, I'm not saying that Fritz played well or didn't play well, but I'm just saying it was a mental collapse from both of them. Fritz had so many unforced errors in that uh, in that match today, and I'll just say this because I watched both matches. I was actually simultaneously watching it when they were going on together, and then obviously the Fritz match went longer. The level, quality of tennis was just not even close. Like, the Rafa match against Fritz, it was fascinating to see how it would play out. And, but at the same time, the level just wasn't there. The level, you know? I agree with you. The level in the Yannick Sinner-Novak-Djokovic match was higher. But you can't compare a match where a guy's injured versus a match where it's the best tennis player of all time, one of the greatest tennis players of all time playing 100%. Nadal was not even close to 100%. Um, yeah, I agree. Again, we say this about Rafa every single match. Honestly, you picked Fritz to win. And I think that was like, not the worst pick. In my head, I was like, he could win too. But you just are never literally never going to bet against Rafa. If you put your money against Rafa, you might as well put, you know, light it on fire because he's basically gotten to the point in his season where you know how sometimes we say guys like I mean, Ugo Humbert or someone who's on a long losing streak, doesn't matter how well they're pl- playing, who they're playing against, because they've been losing so much, they're just addicted to losing, like losing attracts them. For Rafa, it's the opposite. Like no matter what he does, he can have freaking be on one leg and playing right-handed. Winning is just magnetic to the guy right now. And no matter what he does, if he just puts in some effort, it feels like everything is going his way. I... Yeah, I agree with that. That's I think that's undeniable for for Rafa. I I mean I didn't I picked Fritz to win just because I thought it was one upset that I had to pick. I wasn't going to be picking every favorite, so I thought I'd go with that. And it was close. He almost won. He lost seven six in the fifth. Yeah, okay. I mean, but back to back to the center. 
here's the one thing that's I think that's a funny stat is that he's actually closer in age to Novak's son, Stefan Djokovic, than he is to Djokovic. So the next next gen is really young, is really really young. And my my take on center, we can just finish with this. I think he's going to be number one in the world, and I think he's going to win multiple Grand Slams. Um, I guess you would say you probably don't agree with that, but. I think him and Carlos are going to be the two guys kind of moving forward in the next century. Multiple Grand Slams? Yes. He will win more than one? Yeah, I think so too. And do you think he'll be number one in the world? Uh, Maybe. Yeah. He could be. He could. He could. Okay. Okay. Certainly. But Fritz Fritz could win a major as well. Let's – yeah. Okay, let's let's move on. I I think similar – I think to Fritz a little bit. Um – I was watching the match today at work with some coworkers, and they were really excited to see an American in the quarterfinals. And I was asking them, like, would you be more inclined to tune in the finals if it was an American against, like, a Novak? And they said, yes, 100%. So from that standpoint, as American tennis fans, I was hoping that he was going to be able to get it done. Um, but at the same time, he just doesn't seem ready. He didn't seem ready. And he didn't. He did seem flustered. And like you said, the the injury was going to affect him, but it, that shouldn't affect you. You should just go out there and and play. And he said it hurts hurts more than any other loss I've taken in my career. Because he knows makes he sense because it was there on the table for him. It wasn't like he got destroyed. He had the level. He has the level. He didn't even play up to his highest level today. He didn't. Um, he, didn't he didn't play great. He didn't take advantage of when Nadal was injured. And the, as the match went on, it was Nadal putting balls in the court, and Fritz kind of blew it. Putting balls in the court and also changing the spins like a little bit. And Fritz couldn't. Actually, he was actually using Nadal was using every millimeter of the court. Yes, yes. I've exactly. never seen him, I have never seen him do something like that. Um, I'm maybe I have, but this was from what I can remember using using every inch of the courts. A lot of drop shots, a lot of lobs. Not not never rarely hitting those. You know his usual big groundies because he probably couldn't so it was it was remarkable to see that that he was able to do that and then just just off of that the that's the one thing that these that these legends can do yeah any game style if Djokovic needs to serve in volley he'll serve in volley and get it done if Nadal needs to not hit his massive shots and needs to roll the ball before the service line if he needs to slice to Taylor Fritz's backhand to get the win he's gonna do that and he's gonna execute and that's Something I think that is contributes to them being really complete legends. They're not stubborn with their game. They're not saying, "Oh, I have to do this. I have to do that." They're analyzing every specific situation and match for what it is and what they have to do, and they don't have an ego about it. And they change their game. Like today, Fritz or um, Nadal with his angles against Fritz and the drop shots, and just kind of he was kind of massaging the ball around the court. He didn't have to have his his huge forehand because the huge forehand wasn't working and it's even modifying his serve because he couldn't toss the ball because his admin abs were in severe pain. You know, um, I was actually surprised to see his, his box asked him to withdraw. I couldn't believe that. Um, but obviously he wasn't going to do that. And, really? and, and the, the, the tabloids are saying that there may be some question as to whether Rafa plays in the semifinals. I'm saying that there's no truth to that at all. No, I mean he's deaf. I mean, there's no, uh, there's no way he doesn't go out there and try. Like it's not, yeah, it's not like it's not like it's a first round of a tournament. It's the semifinals of Wimbledon. 
it's against Nick Kyrgios. Even if he has to pull out after the first set, I think he'd rather do that than, than not even show up to the match at all. But, yeah. But these, uh, just to talk about the injury for a second, abdominal issues, that is not something that's going to go away overnight. That's not even something – you can't give painkillers for that because you could really hurt the area a lot more. Right. So it w- I don't think it would be smart to give him painkillers because he wouldn't know what's happening in there, and then he could be really screwed. So I don't know. Rafa does have that magical doctor, so we'll have to see, see what he does for the treatment. It's just crazy that these guys are in every single Grand Slam semi. I mean, the next gen is not even remotely threatening to them it's, mentally. It's an absolute joke. I honestly want to see a slam where Nadal and Djokovic are not even in the draw. <laughs> and then these next gen guys are probably going to get so nervous that, like, you're going to have, like, Jay Tomo come in and win the slam. The only guy, honestly, throughout this, his, all his ups and downs is Nick Kyrgios, who walks on the court and legitimately is like, I'm better than these guys, and it would not be a surprise if I could beat them. Kyrgios is the only guy. And unfortunately for us as fans, he's maybe been at his best for two or three years of his entire career, you know? Yeah, I mean, he, he said that. He said that he was, and, and I agree with him, in his press conference after today, maybe, he said he's the one that's kind of paved the way for any younger player to have some belief that they can be the top guys because he was the first to do it, which is which is absolutely true. He's absolutely. Multiple wins against Djokovic, three wins against Nadal, and I don't think he's beaten Federer, but I think maybe some good matches there. But this is a good segue into our um, next segment, right? Which is... Yeah, it's curious. Which is Kiggs, Kiggs and his allegations of assault down under. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, I'm assuming if you're listening, you do know. Just when you think this whole tournament for Kiggs, you know, his, it couldn't twist anymore. Nothing could be more dramatic after the whole Stefanos incident, the fines, the press conferences, and the fact that he's finally trying to win a tournament for, the once, uh, for once in his career is this dropped a couple days ago that he's actually officially been charged with common assault in Australia. Um, Basically, basically the charge is that he assaulted his ex-girlfriend, I think sometime last December or December before that. And he faces up to two years in prison. He has a court date set for early August. And this is a criminal charge. This is not a civil charge. This is not an allegation that's being thrown out on social media. This is a legitimate police report that's been verified. Uh, his team did come out with a statement. Today's headline that Nick Kyrgios has been charged is not true. He's not officially charged until his court appearance happens. That's going to be in August. Mr. Kyrgios is committed to taking any and all allegations uh, and takes the matter very seriously. So he's going to be dealing with the allegations, I guess, once they come up in court is what the statement says. I don't see any acceptance or denial on their part from the charges. Um, I don't know specifically what he's accused of doing other than abusing his girlfriend, but this is very serious. And for me, it was a little weird that they didn't mention it too much on ESPN. And he was asked, he wasn't asked about it really in his press conference about whether this is true. He was just asked, how has this affected you mentally? 
which obviously we should talk about how it affects immensely, but um, I feel a little uncomfortable that he's just been criminally charged and he's on the tennis court because this is not like Zverev where there's obviously been an uproar and for Zverev's allegation, but that was also not in a criminal court. Um, yeah, I don't know, Vid. What, what are your thoughts on his allegations? I think he's dealt with them well on the court. Clearly, he beat Garen and played amazing, again, composed tennis. But the allegations themselves are a little scary, I'd say. When, when I saw kind of these allegations come out, I immediately thought that it would really affect him on the court. And honestly, I thought Garen would end up winning the match just because Kings wouldn't be able to handle it. But he handled it very well, which is shocking but also you said he's known about this it's not like the story coming out is is the public makes it public though yeah but yeah 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 makes okay got it understood but he probably knew at some point it would come out and right right he was able to deal with it during the match um i think it was obvious why the press didn't ask him too much in in the press conference after his match i mean i think they wanted questions that he would answer because uh, they probably only get to ask one question. So they probably wanted, wanted to refrain from that. And I'll also say it is, I mean, this I think will get a lot more attention than the Zverev assault allegations, the Bazilajvili assault allegations. And I think, I think for the most part in tennis in general, when guys are doing stuff that is not cool like that and, you know, against the law and kind of, you know, disgusting – I think people try and push it under the bus because it tennis is seen as like a gentleman's sport and yeah. want that kind of reputation for those players getting out. But I don't think that's going to be the case with him because he is this kind of like bad boy persona, but obviously very concerning allegations. Um, what do I think the ATP should do? I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you can, I don't know if you're like legally if you should be allowed to pull someone off the court with just because there's allegations against them. I mean, this is a police report. Obviously, they have their own internal um, system or process for how they deal with these allegations and what the repercussions could potentially be. I would say the only thing that for me, I think that. When it comes to these allegations, he didn't deny them. So I'm not, that's not an admission of guilt at all. He didn't deny them. Secondly, if there's ever a plea deal to be made, he could potentially do a plea deal where he pleads to something lower and doesn't go to prison for two years and is able to be let off. But at the same time, then that would mean that he's officially would be guilty, which could open him up to you know, a lengthy suspension from the ATP. So I wonder how his legal strategy uh, is conflating with what might happen to him from the ATP uh, jurisdiction jurisdiction standpoint. And I think the timing of this probably does have to do with him being successful and getting to the Wimbledon semifinals because whoever leaked it, whether it was um, the victim or someone in the police or whoever, they were clearly waiting for a time where it would get the most attention. And when someone's made their first Grand Slam semifinal, uh, you know, this is kind of when it happens. And I thought that once Joker Nole was out of Australia, we'd be done analyzing as tennis fans the Australian court system. Apparently not, because <laughs> we have another case here in Australia that's going to receive massive amounts of te- attention from the sporting and tennis world. Yeah, the, the, timing of, the timing of 
the public becoming aware is quite interesting and uh it's unfortunate that this is the time when when it had to come out because you're takes away from his tennis it puts the spotlight on something else you wish the spotlight wasn't on and also i don't know why someone because because honestly let's let's be honest if when things come out when someone's being really successful you you think it's possible that that you know they're just doing this to kind of ruin the person's kind of success and day so it's just like it makes you want to not focus on that, even though it's a big issue, and focus on the tennis. So I, it's unfortunate that it came out uh, when it did. But do you think is he going to have to go back to Australia in August? Yeah. So I think I'm not sure when the court date was early August, which I guess for us is bad because he's going to be missing the City Open if that's that court date holds. We won't be able to see Kings at the City Open. Um, in terms of the court of public opinion, my only other potential point here is that. We've seen Kiggs over the last three to four months kind of redefine his image in the way he's been making it very public about all the struggles that he's been through and how hard he's been trying to change as a person um, and how he's more disciplined now. He eats healthy. He does, you know, all the things that he was supposed to do that he never did before. Um, I don't know if some of that is because he's been priming the public for this news to come out um, or what. But um, I will say that if, if all you knew about Kyrgios was his bad boy antics, throwing his racket, all that, I think your automatic assumption would be that he's guilty. But now with this quote-unquote shift in his personality, maybe some of the public, oh, like, feel some sympathy towards him. Um, me personally, I don't. Um, but that's just, that's just something that I think could be weighing on his mind is being mindful of his interactions because he knows something will be coming out that's really damaging to him. Yeah, I mean, I have no sympathy for him at all. I mean, I totally his like such his like aggressive mentality and just—he's an angry guy. Like, let's be honest. The fact that he's like a really angry—he's an angry person. Yeah, you like like think it's true. Think it's true and be like, obviously, like it was just a matter of time before something like something like this shit happened. So, so yeah, I mean, he does it to himself uh, with kind of with kind of that angry persona that he carries around all the time. So, I mean, some of the chair umpires look like they think they're going to be assaulted by him. <laughs> the way they act, you know? The ball kids look like they're going to be assaulted by him. The ball kids look like they're going to be assaulted by him, the way he talks to them. Um, I guess the only – I guess should we talk a little bit about the – you know, from a tennis perspective, though, this whole – his whole career we've been asking, what is it going to – what would it look like if Nick Kyrgios could make – a semifinal like could he do it and clearly he's just showing us what we all saw eight years ago or nine years ago when he beat Rafa at Wimbledon and had that breakthrough that he's 100% capable of this and I think when you start his career we were all like maybe he will be a multiple time Grand Slam champion be number one in the world top 10 obviously that didn't pan out and I think recently over the past two years we've gone the opposite direction and said I have I think you have He's never going to figure it out. He's a nutcase. He's a, he's a mental, you know, nut job. And he will never be contending for a slam. So I think he's actually outperforming his expectations now as opposed to just doing what he was supposed to, you know? Yeah, he's outperforming his expectations, but I'm also not surprised that he's in the semis, finals, could win it. Because we knew he had the capability. It was whether he had kind of the mental strength, the ability to 
stay consistent throughout a tournament and also just get himself <clears throat> on the practice court doing the right things to not even fully. He doesn't need to no. have to do everything perfect because he's so good, but just to an extent where he can compete in a slam from the beginning to the end. And I guess we are kind of seeing that now. Yeah, he was talking about how, you know, his, his food is getting better. He needs to eat well and sleep well, which I probably didn't even know. He probably didn't even know about three years ago, about eating well and sleeping well. Um, not sure how much sleep he was getting in total <laughs> at that point. But, yeah, I mean, on the court, for example, today, f down 5-2 or 5-3 to Garrett in the third set tiebreak, could have collapsed, locked down. And he said he's himself, he's learning how to play when he's not playing well. Before he would just collapse, now he's fighting through it. Saw that so many times this tournament. First match, fifth set against Paul Jubb. Could have gone down in the fifth set. He's learned to embrace playing when he's not, not everything's not working for him. So that's part of being a champion. He's kind of, he's learning that on the court. He, I think he'll be, he'll be insufferable if he wins this tournament, though. Insufferable, the guy will be. Yeah, no, I mean, he's figured it out. And it's, it's great to see. So we'll have to see what happens. The semis. You think he's going to beat Rafa? I mean, I think so, just because of Rafa's injury. He's a huge favorite, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to win. I honestly, yeah, I'm not going to pick against Nick Kyrgios. All right. Well, we'll just have to see what happens. <laughs> I mean, if he beats Rafa and Djokovic, he's going to be the rest of his career. That's all he's going to talk about. So, maybe it'll motivate him to win more slams. I don't think so. Or he'll be done. Or we'll never see the guy again. Yeah, or he'll just be go to back to Canberra and be going out and stuff. So, yeah, I guess that kind of wraps it up for for the Kigs talk. I feel like we've had a lot of a lot of talk with about Kigs over the last over the last two days, and I don't know if I hope it continues or or I don't. But um, but should we talk about now semifinal matchups? Maybe give our picks on who we think is going to win and what we think we're gonna expect in in those matches so I, yeah so start at the top start at the top with with Djokovic and Nori yeah I mean I, we didn't really talk about Nori that much I do want to say congrats to him making the semifinals an incredible achievement um not too many people can make the semifinals of Wimbledon and he's taking advantage of a good draw um but at the same time like for me I don't see him giving no joke or no lay anything of a fight unless Joker Nole gets injured or something, I, I can't see any path whatsoever I just, for this guy. Yeah, no, I, see, I see no path for Nori either, but I also think it's a bad matchup for Nori because I don't know why. I just, it's just a feeling. For Nori? Or? No, it's just a feeling that I have that Joker Nole is going to come out not nervous, like we've seen him do recently. I think he's going to come out and just – Pounce on Nori, and I think it'll be over in three sets. Maybe, maybe Nori gets a set. And yeah, great achievement from Nori getting to the semifinals. But seems like a bit of a bit of a Casparud at the French esque run. Totally, totally. Yeah, he he's gonna be happy to be there. He's gonna play literally no one remote. Let me just pull up who he's played. Uh, Cam Nori. I know he played Goffin before that. He played, yeah, that's just crazy. He played, he played Pablo Andujar, 
Munar, Steve Johnson, who doesn't know how to hit a backhand. Tommy Paul, solid. I, I, yeah. Solid, but, like, not, you know. But not, yeah, no, solid, a good player, but not, like, a round of 16, like, tough match in a major. He had no impressive wins. Same with Goffin. Same with the Goffin win. And it was five sets. Like, impressive win, obviously, but. Yeah, I, I will say the one thing that's not, not impressive at all, but it's just, like, a good win because he was not playing great. Um, he was not yeah. at the highest level, so it's it's like got to feel good to it's got to feel good for the faux Brit to get through that one. Maybe he can like get a set. It'll be a good. It'll be a fun warm up for the you know the main event Kings Nadal. This is a good undercard. You know you get to see some tennis, whatever. Uh, maybe Nori will win a set, but yeah, Nori's seven to one to win this match, which I think is wrong odds. I don't think he wins this match one out of eight times or one out of seven times. Do you? I mean that's I would like Joker Nole. Guaranteed to win this match. Like, I, this is a guarantee, like beyond a guarantee. Yeah, I mean, I think they just can't give ridiculous odds because uh, <laughs> I, don't, I guess it's how the bets come in. I guess they're coming in like that, but yeah, I don't know. But then I guess down to the kids, Nadal, Joker Nole. You'd have to have sixteen hundred to win one hundred. Would you do it? Because it's guaranteed you get a hundred. <laughs> yeah, I might put that in. Free, yeah. Free. Okay. Why would I not take free money? Um, yeah, do it. Put sixteen hundred to win one hundred. You get one hundred free dollars, or you put one point six million to win a hundred thousand. <laughs> There's no way Cam Nori wins that. We gotta get we gotta scrap together one point six million if I, before if Friday. I, if I had that kind of disposable income, I would certainly do it. <laughs> if you got any rich people listening to the pod, go do yourself a favor and lock that in. Yeah, you'll think, and you can pay us like. You know, like a, 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 five, a five grand referral. A founder's fee. fee. Founder's fee. Founder's fee. Five yeah. grand. Um, but yeah, what about uh, Nadal Kiggs? Yeah. Talk about MMA UFC. We were talking about it last episode. The main event of the evening. <laughs> this is what it's going to be because these guys, it's like a, you know, UFC where guys will play once, then they'll play again. It's the rubber match. They were 1 1 at Wimbledon. So this is the rubber match. Kiggs against Rafa. Kiggs said it in his press conference. He said, I've been telling my friends back home that I'm here to win the tournament this year, which apparently he's not here usually to win the tournament. So, uh, yeah, if Kiggs is there to win the tournament, and at some point Rafa's body will break down. He's just not superhuman. I know it looks like he's superhuman every time he pulls out these matches, but – and we say don't pick against Rafa. I'm doing it. I'm picking against Rafa. I think Kiggs is – so locked in, and if he is charged, this could be the last chance he ever gets to win a major. So, can you imagine, can you imagine Nick Kiggs winning Wimbledon, walking off the court, going to jail, going back to Aussie land, getting thrown in jail, <laughs> and, and we probably come out of jail and just be like, I don't even know. Like, I'll say this this would be great for the Netflix show, and for. <laughs> That would be in, actually insane. This is in handcuffs by the end of the season or something. Just, just, just a, we're going to talk about this and then we're going to move on to the women. But just this season, Joker Nole, Australia, the whole Fax <laughs> thing, Nadal winning the French Open and Wimbledon and Australian Open. Now Kiggs potentially going to jail. Like this is you couldn't ask for something 
better than this. For more, more, more dramatic, you it's know? Gonna sound, it's going to sound fake and it, when it's not. It's, it's going to be amazing. People are going to watch this documentary. And F1 got lucky, too, because they got, like, the best seasons and the best drama when they had been following it. Like, and being like, tennis is they incredible. Been, they had been doing it for – this was, like, the fifth season last year. And I want to say shout-out to Morgan Riddle. Shout-out, Morgan Riddle. Uh, unfortunately, your, your, your man did end up losing, but – I do appreciate all your promotion of tennis. I saw she had a um, TikTok video of the dress at Wimbledon and how people are dressed. Um, again, that's going to appeal to some fans. It definitely appeals to me, and I think it's why Wimbledon embodies all the best parts of our sport. Um, but, yeah, shout-out to Morgan Riddle for trying to, trying to grow tennis as well. And I'm sorry for your loss today. But. Yeah. I guess you're part of the team, right? Once you're a girlfriend or boyfriend, you're part of the team. So it's your loss as much as their loss, your win as much as their win. Exactly. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, Is that right? Well, so, Kiggs, Joker, Nole in the final. Kiggs, Joker, Nole. I, Joker, Nole has never beaten Kiggs, so let's get that out there. I predicted that. I said yesterday, I said it would be Kiggs, Joker, Nole, and I said Kiggs would beat him. You said Kiggs would beat Fritz, though. <laughs> right. I said, no, I said Fritz would beat Nadal. Yeah, and Kiggs would beat Fritz. Yes, but I still have Kiggs in the final. You got Kiggs in the final. Yeah, no, Kiggs is not being no Joker Nole. Nothing is stopping Joker Nole from winning that Wimbledon title this year. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah, Joker Nole is like, like – he's like an animal, that guy. So is Kiggs in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a bad way. Kiggs is like – Yeah, a in a bad way. way. Joker Nole is an animal in a good way. First um, Australian to make a Grand Slam final in over 20 years, Kiggs. And you know the last guy to do it? Leighton Hewitt. Leighton Hewitt, he's getting inducted to the Hall of Fame in next week, which would be crazy to see him getting inducted in the Hall of Fame the weekend after an Australian wins Wimbledon. That, that would be great. Should we talk about the women now? Tri- uh, I have a trivia. Okay. Quick trivia and game segment. Easy trivia and games. All right, what's the, what's the trivia and games question? Okay, so we have one trivia, one game. It's a very simple current trivia. This year, there's two in the men's. There's two lefties making the semis of Wimbledon. Um, it is Gora. Uh, oh my God! I just did the answer. Do you hear me? I wouldn't even have gotten that answer right. You would have. You wouldn't have. I would not have. Okay, so you heard it then. Yeah, I would have got it wrong. But let's go to the games. So we, okay. we butched the trivia there. I butchered the trivia. But we still have games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, here is the quote game. Quote game. It's Rafa Nadal. He's the one who said the quote, but it was in response to someone asking. So someone asked, this player asked him that he wanted Rafa to be their coach once Rafa retires. And Rafa's response was, I'm very expensive. I don't know if you'll be able to afford that. So who was the player that asked Rafa to be their coach? Was it Iga? Iga Swiatek, Gael Monfils, Grigor Dimitrov, or Emma Raducanu? Emma Raducanu. has to be, right? The no reason- thought process? Well, I'll try. I'll get my thought process. Who is it? <laughs> Gael Monfils is old. He's going to retire soon. Can't be him. Um, Iga is like – it is something she'd say because she's obsessed with Nadal, but I also feel like – I feel like she wouldn't. Maybe say that. I don't know. Um, and then who was the – then Grigor Dimitrov, 
also an older guy and like a guy who I think of as like kind of moving out of his tennis phase of life, probably focusing on other things. And I know Emma Raducanu was wearing the Rafa Nadal uh, logo in the beginning of Wimbledon, and she was talking about how much she loves Rafa. So, but also, actually, no, I take that back. I don't know if she would say that. She's probably so caught up with like having like the coaches from the LTA and all that shit. Um, final answer. Was it was this this person saying like a joking way? Kind of joking, kind of serious. Yeah, sure, I'll go with Emma. It was Grigor. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's crazy. But I'll honestly yeah. look at Grigor. I don't know if – I don't know if – I think everyone wants a Nadal, like, mentality and, like, fight. Like, that's just, like, not something you can teach. Nope. Nope. Can't teach that. You can't teach that, unfortunately. If you could teach that, then, like, then sports wouldn't be, like, a thing. Wait, do you want one more trivia? Sure. Okay, who was questioning Rafa's injury on social media? In fact, the quote on social media was with a picture of Nadal with the headline that he's injured. Guys, stop believing in everything you read, please. Was it Riley Opelka, um, Fabio Fognini, um, Tennis Sandgren, or Daniil Medvedev? The way you said it, I, the way you said it is, sounds like Daniil. Okay, it was not Daniel. It was Fabio Fognini. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. That's funny. Yeah. Wow. Did yeah. Fabio, okay. Did Fabio play this tournament? Uh, yeah, he lost first round to Greek Sport. Nice. Good showing. Um, yeah, women's. I think we kick it off with. We're not going to talk. What are we going? We're going to talk about. We'll just talk about the semifinal matchups. Okay. Or we'll just talk about Yeah, and then we'll talk maybe about their, their quarterfinal. Because we just don't want to do it because we'll talk about the quarters because tomorrow the semis will be over. Right, right. That. We'll just talk about the contenders and what we feel about them. We'll, yeah, we'll run down the contenders, just talk a bit about them, our thoughts on their games, et cetera, et cetera. And then. Should we start with the big friendly giant? Yes, I've coined the name. The big friendly giant, and if you're can't figure out who that is, it is Elena Rybakina. Elena Rybakina. Elena Rybakina, one of our favorite players, and honestly, the commentators butcher her name like it's nobody's business. I wrote down every I wrote down every pronunciation. I heard Rybakina. Uh -huh. I heard Rybakina. Rybakina. That sounds like an American. I heard Rybikina, I heard yeah. Rybikina, and I heard Rybikina. I guess the Rybikina is the closest, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Rybikina was, that was James Blake. And it also, there are these commentators who say her name differently every time. Like, at least if you're going to say it wrong, like, pick the wrong one that you're going to say and then just, like, go with it. So true. I think, you know, you got you to gotta tune in to the Love Means Nothing podcast because we will – not butcher names, and if we do, we'll always apologize for it. So, and I'm pretty sure we're correct. It's uh, Elena Rybakina. Exactly. Exactly. Elena Rybakina. I'm so sure. incredible win. I'm pretty sure we're correct, and uh, yeah, like Drew said, if we if we get something wrong, we we get down to the bottom of it and figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> investigative journalism, like we're gonna do on the Kazakhstan Russia story, 
Why don't we yep. talk about that? She actually got some questions in her press conference about like being it was a little it was a little uncomfortable. So as we all know, Wimbledon they banned they don't want Russians to play or Belarusians to play because of the war in Ukraine. Everyone's banned. Except for people who are Russian but playing under a different flag. So Elena Rybakina grew up in Moscow, was born in Moscow, she lives in Moscow. She played under the Russian flags until she was 18 years old, 19 years old. Um, but they weren't giving her the requisite funding to continue her career. So the Kazakhstan, I believe, Tennis Association or Federation basically offered her citizenship and funding to continue her career. So she plays under the Kazakhstan flag, but she is, let's not get twisted, 100% Russian, ethnically in every, the way, language she speaks, everything that she does. Um, so she, like you said, she was getting some awkward questions about her, how proud she is of her country, you know, making the semifinals. And it's just a little uncomfortable because this is a Russian girl, not, she's not from Kazakhstan. She's like 100% Russian, 0% Kazakhstani. And, yeah. And honestly, she like, I thought she wasn't even gonna have no idea how to answer the questions, but she fielded them relatively well. She's like, they're, they're like, they're like, they're like, oh, do you feel like you're like from Kazakhstan now? And she's like, she didn't say no. But she's like, she's like, yeah, it's, it's different. She's like, yeah, I've definitely played some Fed Cup for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Fed Cup for them. So like, I think she did her best. And then there's some dude asking her about the war. Like, wait, why would you ask a, a 21, whatever her, however old she is about some war? That's so unfair to her. So unfair to them. It's also, she's like, the type of person that like just like I mean she probably have no idea what to say and it's just like so awkward. Yeah, I have a quote here from her that she said about Kazakhstan. They believed in me and they made everything possible for me to keep playing, keep improving. So I guess she has some allegiance to them, but it would be quite ironic if a Russian player won Wimbledon the year they were trying to ban Russians. I mean, Putin might love her more than Putin loves anyone at this point, if that happens. Yeah, that would be that would be so funny, honestly. Um, so yeah, that's, I'm actually rooting her for her because that would be just a great storyline. We could have a Rabakina and a domestic, a future domestic abuser who's going to jail be handed the trophies at Wimbledon. <laughs> that's some that's some twisted shit. I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you this: I, is Rabak is Rabakina single? Like, what do you mean? Oh, like, is she boyfriend? Yeah. I don't think so. Do you think Kiggs' girlfriend will be nervous? Because they have, like, that champion's dance or whatever where they have to dance. I think Kiggs' girlfriend will be uncomfortable if Kiggs is, has to go with the big friendly giant to a, to a ball as kind of a date. <laughs> um, honestly, probably. I, <laughs> I, I have no idea. But also, Kiggs and Rubakina are, like, two polar opposite people. Which is why it could work. <laughs> yeah, literally. Pull I don't up. think they could have a conversation. Kiggs. Honestly, imagine them. Imagine Kiggs and Elena Rybakina trying to hang out. Kiggs is like a criminal, and she is like a fourteen-year-old girl. Yes, um, I will say good good tournament from Ayla Tamlanovic, and also shame on the media because she had the best tournament of her entire career making the quarters and they were asking her about Kiggs' domestic abuse because she happened to date him a few years ago that's just totally out of line if you're the media that has nothing to do with it his allegations ask about her tennis you know so shout out to 
Isla for an incredible tournament. Yeah, I actually I didn't watch her press conference, but that's yeah, it's ridiculous. Disappointing, like, disappointing to hear someone having such a great performance and then having to deal with that from the media. But um, when we're when we're in the media room soon, we're not going to be asking those kind of questions. Um, yeah, well, asking the right questions, um, and we're not gonna we're not gonna do people dirty like that. We're not gonna be asking about the Russia war or about your ex boyfriend punching someone. Maybe future boyfriends, but not ex. Um, but yeah yeah Isla great tournament I was honestly she was playing really good she was yeah she was playing good off the ground Elena was just just a little too much for her Elena was like obviously serving well and moving well and also finesse was there when she needed it so that yeah there's nothing Isla could do she was yeah, it's crazy to me how Rabakina is so consistent with her, how hard she hits the ball and how she's so aggressive. And she's been consistent this whole tournament, you know? Yeah, it, it is impressive. Doesn't make sense to me. But. She had a little, something was wrong with her towards the end of the match, so hopefully that'll be all right for her semifinal. She looked look like a little niggle in her hamstring, but I, hopefully that'll be, she'll be good to go against, against Talib. And then on the other side, who do we have? Anz Jabor. Anz, um, Tatiana. No, well, let's talk about her, Rubakina's opponent, Simona Halep. Oh, Simona and... Great win against Amanda. Simona and Asimova. Um, basically, like, it was basically the same matchup as the other quarterfinal, except the, the like, the favorite... One player was better. Yeah, yeah. it was like, like, you know, the big server was better and, like, in the Isla-Elena match, and then in the Simona-Amanda match, Simona was just a better player and had that kind of game style. And just, just a point on the on the big serve plus one game style that Rubakina has and Amanda has, it's, I don't know, because I don't play like that, uh, but I feel like if you're off your rhythm, it's hard to get your rhythm back. If you're like someone like a Simona Halep, or like uh, you know, someone who's not served plus oneing like Novak Djokovic. Like if you're if you're not playing well, you can you can get back into your rhythm. Uh huh. And you can you can buy time with the rest of your game, kind of, but not get destroyed, I guess. Yeah. Put you'll and, and you can you can stop that snowball effect. Um, Amanda had that snowball effect, I felt, and that's just something that's hard to. Hard to, hard, to, hard to stop when you have that kind of game style. Hard to overcome. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think this kind of goes back to the uh, – we had that conversation about movement and serve on the grass. I'm probably even leaning more towards movement now that it's more important than serve. But I don't know. Yeah, what's more important, movement so or serve? Honestly, we'll see what happens in the rubakina Hallett match. Yeah, I was disappointed because Amanda – lost to her in Bad Homburg in straight sets and didn't really seem to make any adjustments till the end of the match when it was like too little too late. She made kind of a comeback, but then Halep locked down to win, was it 6-2, 6-4 in the end? Um, well, but we do have a quote from Simona about her coach, Patrick Mortagalu. <laughs> oh, Patrick Mortagalu. And it has nothing to do with coaching abilities, but apparently he's like, has some magic powers, according to her. Uh, 
she said that he sent me this different confidence and somehow started, I started to believe in myself again that I have a chance to be a good player. He thinks everything is possible, which brings trust into what I do. So I don't know. I guess she's really enjoying the coaching experience that Patrick Mortoglu is providing her. Um, they both post Instagrams a lot with each other. And um, it's a little uncomfortable. A little uncomfortable, a little bit. Even Simone Halep fans on Twitter are saying they don't like her coach, which is kind of crazy to think. Because she's doing so well. I know, it's crazy. Um, but, but yeah, so if basically if Kiggs and Halep wins, that's going to be the most insufferable social media experience for tennis fans with between Patrick Mortoglu and his freaking constant Instagrams of Simone Halep and then Nick Kyrgios every press conference being like, yeah, mate, I won Wimbledon. I got the Wimbledon trophy, mate. Like, I beat Rafa. I beat Novak. I took down the big three. Like, that's what he's going to say all the time. And then we know Patrick loves Instagram more than an Alabama sorority girl on midday. So that's going to be constant. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> he does. Um, so, but, yeah. Bob. Yeah. So who do you think is going to win that? Halep or Rubikina? That's tomorrow. So we're not going to – I guess you'll see it. Um, You'll see if our predictions are right or not with the podcast, but I think that Rubakina. Okay, I go. I think Halep will win. Okay, I mean, yeah, they they have great matches. We were at their third round U.S. Open match, twenty twenty one, and it was so much fun. They had one of the most incredible. It was the twenty twenty Dubai final, right before everything shut down on hardcore, it was some of the most ridiculous tennis I've ever seen. That, they just, they bring the best out of each other. It's like, that's going to be, oh, is that tomorrow? Oh, that's tomorrow, yeah. Wow. Can't wait for that. Ons against Buskova. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, we're going to recap that? We, we can. I, I think it was just I'll Ons. Give, I'll give quick thoughts. Um, yeah. Yeah, Ons, uh, it was three sets, right? Yeah, Buskova won the first. Yeah, yeah. Buskova, like, playing very solid first set. Ons, you know, maybe had a few too many unforced errors. And then, honestly, second, third set, Ons just changed her tactics, did so perfectly, and uh, Mary Boo couldn't respond. Brought her into the net more, chipping, um, getting her a little uncomfortable. Mary Boo looked like she got a little tired. She's super fast, and then she just wasn't getting that, all those balls. So it was good change of tactics from – Ons and I think tomorrow I think she'll probably is friends with her opponent and will probably win her semifinal match as well. Yeah, Buskova. I didn't think that this level of tennis was capable of her because Ons was playing well and she beat Ons straight up in the first set. But Ons just a better player, um, crafty around the court. Ons's play kind of reminded me of Nadal's a little bit today with like like being able to use every like you would you say every millimeter of the court. Yeah. She does that really well. Um, she's always going to come at you. She has that presence on the court like Nadal, too. You can feel her. Um, you're not – she She has a presence out there, kind of like Halep. Um, but, yeah, that was, that was great. I think Ons will beat Maria. Incredible run. But, again, Maria is the kind of player that focuses on slices and stuff. Like, and Ons is so – good at dealing with junk balls. She has so much talent with her hands that I don't think that's going to be a problem for her. 
Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so either. I think it'll be, it'll be Ons, Ons in the final. But, but yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be these are fun matches. Every match is a match you want to watch. So, uh, we're getting we're getting what we wanted from Wimbledon, and hopefully, hopefully the same will happen at the U.S. Open when we're boots on the ground. Yeah. Or Do you think this Rafa? You think the Rafa Curios is going to be? Like the same rivalry level as it was the last time they played at Wimbledon, like the hatred, the animosity. They they hate each other. Yeah, I hope so. I don't know if it will be, but I hope so. I think it may be. Yeah, I yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I hope it's like that. I hope Kiggs is just doing everything to piss him off. I hope Kiggs is just a freaking madman on the court. At this point, everyone knows you're a freaking abuser. Just go out there and be a fucking criminal. <laughs> <laughs>